Welcome to another episode of Talk of Tonawanda. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts and guests only. I do not represent any other individual or organization. Carl, welcome to episode 12. We made it. We made it. We're past 11, but you know what the problem is? Next episode, 13. 13. So, Lucky you know. 13. But you know what? Uh, our, our guest, we're going to start off with our guest today, and and uh, because we know that episode 13 will probably just be a lot of disclaimers to get past it, and then we'll go right into episode 14. We have Bill here from one of our own city of Tonawanda Based businesses from the Vintage Audio Shop. Good afternoon, Bill. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm good. How are you? Doing good. We've been uh, trying to get Bill in here kicking and screaming. And actually, in full disclosure, we did do a partial taping once, but Frank screwed up the audio, so we're uh, we're going to have to recreate all those pearls of wisdom. <laughs> I'm sure Carl was behind it somehow. Probably somehow some, something with magnets. I'm sure. I I am the cause of the lack of your technology. It, it is. It's true. You see, now, I'm glad that you have big shoulders and you can take that on. Bill is not dealing with modern technology. He's dealing with modern techniques on vintage technology. Bill, just, just tell us about the Vintage Audio Shop. Um, you know, we like to focus on stuff from the 60s and 70s, you know, the old silver face equipment, uh, even the old vacuum tube stuff, you know, that you saw, you know, maybe in the early, late 50s. It was common, you know, it was in the TVs and stuff at the time, but uh, we just like the audio side of that. You know, it's pretty cool technology, and we like keeping it going. So and so the brands. Talk about some of the classic brands so people know and they can reflect and remember. Oh, yeah, some of the brands would be like Pioneer, Marantz, Sansui, Yamaha, uh, Macintosh, stuff like that. I mean, oh, they just don't make them like they used to. Back they, then. they do not. <laughs> some people say that's good, and some people say it's not, but... Uh, Carl, you're kind of an audiophile. You have some vintage equipment you want to bring out of cobwebs and bring back to life. I do. I've got a Techniques turntable, uh, belt-driven, of course. Belt-driven. Belt-driven. I got talked out of buying the gear-driven back in the day. Somehow, reading one of those uh, audio magazines and my Techniques power amplifier, a whopping 50 amps. 50 amps. Yes, and I'm and I'm searching and searching the uh, the interwebs there for a another pair of Boston Acoustics A2 speakers. Oh. So if you got a pair of Boston Acoustics uh, A2s laying around up in Grandma and Grandpa's uh, attic, folks, give them to me, and he'll get them to Bill. <laughs> I'll give them to Bill. Bill will put that uh, that 10 inch subwoofer back in and that little tweeter and get me all set up. No, Carol, I, I really thought that you were going to have like the stork. Playing Victrola phone from the Flintstones, from Flintstones. or but uh, no, no, no. I I love I love the sound that 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 whole setup produced for me back in the day. I didn't even need you know the old graphic equalizer with all its little slide switches and lights and oh, we didn't need warning labels on the vinyl back then either. But now we apparently do. All right, Bill. So it, uh, you you acquire it, you repair it, restore it. Yeah, I mean, I love collecting it, restoring it. I mean, we do some repair work on, like, you know, obviously with turntables, receivers, amps, uh, you know, all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, it's just 
a whole mixture, you know, depending on what, how much space I have and everything like that. I mean, a lot of this stuff's heavy, it's big, it takes up a lot of space. Um, so, you know, I try to rotate things through, but sometimes, you know, parts are hard to come by on certain things and, you know. Hardest, hardest thing to find, anything that stands out. I know there's probably a, a whole list, but what's really hard to get right now? The hence, the hence teeth of your profession. Uh, Part-wise, I mean, would be like idler wheels for the old turntables. A lot of them that were in consoles and stuff like that, they have like this little tire in there that mm -hmm. rotates the platter and those dry rot. And they just don't make them anymore because there are so many, you know, models and everything out there that the only ones they do make are for like extremely expensive turntables that are highly coveted, you know, and you're spending like $100 on an idler wheel. But for most people's common ones they have at home and stuff like that, like they have their own console they want to get restored. Those are just extremely hard to find now. Do you find yourself having to make parts and things for this or modify some, things? Some things we can 3D print, um, oh. which is nice, but that is even kind of tricky, you know? Like, I mean, I'm not good at it, but, you know, we have one guy that helps us out on some things, which is kind of cool that that's yeah. even a thing, you know? But uh, 3D printing, oh. you know? <laughs> They're, they're, they're even talking about 3D printing, you know, you know body parts and I think my wife's going to take an extreme. She's going to 3D print me back when I was 19, and I'll, I'll just wind up in the recycling bin. Of I, would, I would start you off at around 75 or so. Favorite all-time vintage audio system? Uh, I mean, I really enjoy, like, the Macintosh equipment from the 60s. I love the old tube stuff they made. I mean, it's right out of Binghamton, New York. It's, you know, right around the corner, basically, from us, and... Uh, I just think that nothing really beats that and that sound. I mean, it's expensive and the stuff's really expensive to service and, you know, put money into, especially the tubes and stuff nowadays are crazy money. Are they still uh, being made here in the States in Binghamton? Uh, the Macintosh, yes, they're still there. They're actually owned by this, uh, you know, a States-based company, which is nice because before they've been owned by, like, Italy, uh, I think Japan owned them at one point. I mean, I'm pretty sure... But now they're actually held by, you know, a company in the States, which is cool. Keeps it here. When you say Macintosh, I'm sure some people are getting confused because I know I, I, I get distracted by shiny things. Not the computer. You're talking an audio producer that was right here in New York. Yeah, they're one of the first. Uh, they came, you know, they came around in the early 50s and... Uh, they're one of the most reputable brands in the world. I mean, people... You know, want them in every part of you know the planet. They want that a Macintosh amplifier. They want Macintosh speakers or whatever they can get their hands on. You know, we're very lucky that it's here and it's made so close to us here. But I mean, people in Asia specifically, I mean, they'd pay an arm and a leg just to get some of these pieces. Now, you also collect some vinyl. Oh yes. What's now when when Bill gets home at the end of a sixteen-hour day of repairing these things? What does Bill drop the needle on? I mean, I really like, you know, jazz typically. It's just relaxing. I don't have to focus on the lyrics or anything like that. You know, at the end of the day, you just want to have something on the background that's soothing, calm, you know, sounds good, plays. I mean, that's what this equipment that I restore was made to play, you know, mostly the old tube stuff. All there was was like jazz, big band, all that stuff was like, that's what was popular. So that's what this stuff was designed to play, that and classical, but... You know, I mean, you can only do so much classical. Yeah. So the engineers, when they were putting together the tracks back then, 
we're specifically tuning everything and balancing everything for that equipment. Oh, so yeah. it sounded great. mainly like classical because jazz was kind of like, it was like an uh, indie type thing, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't super in. I mean, it was in, but not as many people had it. They had like the, I don't know, like Bobby Vinn type stuff, okay. Frank Sinatra record. That's why you see so many of them. A but then some blue people were blue eyes. The old, the old Vegas strip entertainers. Let's some, leave the strippers oh. out of this. So, but Bill, now, do you also procure and sell vinyl, or are you just focusing on the equipment, or is it a little bit of this? Uh, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I mean, I mainly collect records so much, as with the stereo, too. I mean, some stuff I let go, but it's very hard, you know. I'm collecting the stuff that I think is really cool, and I want to preserve and keep, and, you know, the stuff that they made millions of and stuff like that, you know, that's the stuff we can restore and I can feel good about letting go because I'm going to see it again in the future. So, you know. Do you, do you have like a uh, a vintage audio museum that you have, like like kind of your, your parts that you would like to see just on display and have people not just look at it but hear it and so forth? Oh, yeah. That's definitely the goal in the future is to... You know, have some place where people can come in, they can hang out a little bit, you know, listen to the, some of this equipment, you know, have it set up playing. I mean, it's probably the only time they're ever going to really get in contact with some of these pieces because there's so few of them out there. Um, but right now, it's just building everything up. Everything's kind of coming together with the res restorations and doing all that stuff. Um, but definitely in the future, I want to have like a nice listening space so we can just demo some of this really cool stuff. Yeah, they do at some of the big box stores. They got that nice listening room with the with the chair on it. That'd be awesome. Now, um, it's it's not just repairs. I mean, you can do tune ups and other things as well. You can, I mean, a, a tune up. A, I'm talking, you know, like belts and things like that. Are those? Do you get a lot of that? Are you looking for some of that? Or are you looking for more total restos? What What do you want to be doing? I mean, I definitely like doing, you know, stuff that people have had that they want to maybe use again, like, you know, that's sitting in a closet or something like that, and maybe they want to use it. Or if they don't have the time and they don't want to put the money into it, then, you know, I'm happy to, like, purchase it from them, you know, and then it ends up in my collection or whatever, you know. Because a lot of people are downsizing right now, too, so they're kind of thinking the opposite of, like, oh, do I really want to keep this piece that weighs, like, 40 pounds, 50 pounds, and move it around with me to my next place and... A lot of people are downsizing from a house to maybe like a condo or something like that. They don't really have the room to put like a whole stereo in there. Their wife will kill them or something like that, you know. Right. <laughs> well, so you have that segment of the, of the, of the uh, populace that's downsizing and moving this stuff out. Is, is there one particular group that's attracted and, and, and accumulating this back in? I mean, is it the younger folks or... It's the crazy people like myself. There's a few of us out there that, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, can't get enough of it. But we just want to, like, just keep acquiring different things. We always change up. There's a few of us. I know a few of the people that are similar to me that you just can't get enough. You always want to change your system and stuff like that. I mean, most people, they get one system. They're happy. They're content. You know, myself and a few other people I know, it's like you just, it's like, Crack. You just want more and more and more and more. Right. Yeah. So, so you, I mean, but you, you're. This is a legitimate business. I see you at your place every single day, regular hours. This is you've turned your passion into into fun, and I hate to say into profit because it's it's about the equipment, obviously. But um, do you, um, do you have uh, any network of folks that you work with locally or nationwide? Uh, trade swap, sell parts, pieces. 
a network of people that find things, like you can give them a finder's fee for finding that Macintosh. Oh, you know, it's, uh, it is all about networking and stuff. It's just that people know that I'm into this stuff, and that's how stuff just kind of comes to me. I mean, a lot of it doesn't work, and if you don't have someone that can work on it, I mean, yeah. you're kind of stuck with a, a big heavy brick or doorstop or whatever. Exactly. Ever since uh, Stereo Advantage closed up in the... The Stereo Advantage, I haven't heard that name in a while. Weren't they like the Sneaker Advantage and stuff, too? They paid a lot of... That's where I got my first cell phone. That big 5,000-pound thing that still had a cable that went back to the house. Oh, wow. You know, one of those things. Um, Bill, you you do have a website. It's the Vintage Audio Shop. And I, I'm looking at some of the inventory that you have listed here up for sale. And I know personally, this is just scratching the surface. I, I think I think you're underplaying. I think you're, you're trying to, to hide the addiction that you have here. By your inventory, because that's... <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, so... so as I look at this stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing dozens and dozens and dozens of pieces. Oh, do, you, do you even know what your inventory might be right now? I mean, I've never sat down and tried to, uh, you know, catalog everything, because it's always changing, like, by the week, which is insane in itself. You know, I never could have imagined it would have been anything like this, but... Uh. You, you're, turning, you're turning your passion into a business. You really, really did. Now, I bet you, Carl, if you brought yours in, he probably has a brand new one or a like brand showroom condition one, and he could put it side by side and you would, you would cry. Trade-ins? Trade-ins. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> trade-ins? I don't do any trade-ins or anything like that. I mean, a lot of people do try to do uh, trade up? trades and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I don't time. Yeah, to barter. I'll cut right your now. grass, oh, wash your windows. Exactly. I get that. Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> There's so many people who want to do stuff like that. You're like, oh, you know. Trade cash and child labor. None of that's working. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing yet. You know, no one's come up with Free meals own. every day at Joey's yeah. for a year. <laughs> There's a possibility. Oh, so I mean, yeah, if it was at uh, you know one of these good breakfast places we have here, maybe. <laughs> now, if the the last time we tried to tape in it, it's it snafu'd up. Um, I asked you about weirdest thing when you were doing a restoration as far as findings uh, in and in and around equipment, and there's, there's some that are obvious, but uh, former guest. It was uh, it was uh, an interesting story. Oh yeah, no, I had a guy tell me that he had. Uh, perfectly working uh, 60s receiver and I was like oh okay you know a lot of people assume that things are working because they power on but they're not you know they definitely have parts and things that are kind of failing you know but that's just how some people think so this guy went over there drove all the way out there and uh, I show up and I go oh there's no way this is working he's like oh yeah I plugged it in and everything I said ah do you got a screwdriver I'm gonna open it up and then He's like, sure, and I opened it up, and there were just, you know, three mummified mice in there, a whole nest. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, this is working perfectly, nice. Were they wearing little sunglasses and had little canes? Because it might have been uh, Mother Goose's three blind mice. They didn't know it was a stereo. It was just a warm place to sleep. Yeah, it definitely could have been. I don't know. I mean, that guy was funny, though. Uh, I had a laugh. I I think I left empty-handed one of the few times. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You must have come across at least one aha, like like you know the uh, the golden chalice, the uh, the holy grail. Have you ever come across something that just was amazing? You just oh yeah, oh the coolest thing I ever found was a couple of years ago. Uh, 
I came across, there's a brand, the Fisher, they were around, you know, even in the 80s, a lot of people probably heard of them, but in the 60s, you know, it was like their heyday, they were making some really nice tube receivers, like some of the best that were ever made, and they sound phenomenal when they're restored, I granted a lot of work, but uh, I came across a 1940s Fisher piece that was like right after, you know, World War II, and that was the coolest thing I've ever seen, because I didn't even know that he was making equipment like home audio at that time. I thought it started in like the mid-50s. So to find something from the 40s, I mean, that's the oldest piece I have, coolest piece I have. So New York City, because of its concentration of people that live there, still live there today, but back when I used to travel to New York City, back in the late 70s, early 80s, there were audio shops on every block. Where did all those stores go? What what happened to them? They they turned into something and oh, was well, it a camera stores, that gray market camera stores, you know, where they didn't have that full warranty or whatever, but Photomat. I know, but it was amazing to every oh. every block in New York. Once you got off of Manhattan and into the boroughs, like when we went into Brooklyn, Brooklyn had to be the center point of Audio files. I mean, there were so many stores there. And what happened to all them? Uh, what happened was, uh, you know, competition. You had video games that were taking the place of, you know, it was competing with stereo, and you had television and stuff like that. I mean, those took from the stereo market. And then in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, you had the recession right there, and that made all the costs for all these stereo companies. They were all hurting from that. They couldn't make any money. They were losing money already trying to develop, like, the best stuff during the, yeah. the late 70s was, like, the stereo wars were going on. Absolutely. And everybody was trying to produce the best thing they possibly could and most amount of wattage. And then all that, there was just a huge fallout right then. When yeah. you go into the early 80s, everything went offshore even further than Japan. It just started going, like, you know, to Malaysia and China started coming in play. And not that stuff was, like, all crap, but... You know, definitely yeah. didn't have the quality that was Some in the 60s, 70s. When you go into mass production, there's not enough hands in it. I can see, yeah. I can see yeah. the yeah. they, they, Nightclubs used to just absolutely just advertise their sound systems for a while there. Oh, you know, oh, that I've used to be some. Club oh, 747, Mannequins. Oh, man. You know, <laughs> I mean, let's, let's go back. I have Jerry Korab's Red Balloon Cafe. I mean, you go way back. And they, they used to advertise, you know, like 2,000-watt stereo system and, and light shows and live entertainment. That that stuff, amazing. That's what the saddest part about stereo is, is that anybody that kind of hears the term stereo doesn't even know what it is. Doesn't even know what, you know, it's supposed to be or what it's supposed to sound like. We yeah. just see stereo, car stereo. What is stereo? Nobody knows. You ask them, oh, it's music. No, there's definitely something yeah. going on. It's, uh, you know, it is man-made in a sense because it should be mono is the traditional way. You know, when you see a concert or some of the music coming right in your face. That's, that's, that's a T-shirt right there. Hi-Fi came before Wi-Fi. Perfect T-shirt. I remember Perfect. back back in the uh, back in the olden days, uh, I was based overseas. In, uh, what, at that point in time, it was called West Germany. Uh, but I was in the military, and we had a... Uh, facility, it was a, a BX at an area called Mainz Castell. I think I told you about this. There was one building and this old brick building, which I think used to be an armory or something, each room in this building was a different manufacturer of stereo and audio equipment. And they all had their little listening stations. You went from room to room 
Morantz had theirs, Klipsch had theirs, Fisher, had, everybody had theirs, and it was just this amazing thing. You go into the big box stores right now, you want to see the audio equipment, it's pretty much a shelf. It's, there's, the, the selection isn't there, the, you know, of course it's, it's digitized, but it's just not, I mean, convince me that I want a piece of vintage equipment. Other, I mean, I obviously already know about it, I know the sound. Tell someone who doesn't understand vintage equipment why it has that sound. What makes it so different from what we have now? Uh, I would say what makes it different is just uh, the build quality is like, I mean, these people were extremely passionate. They weren't going after the money at this point. Like they wanted to make a profit, but they were kind of like me where they're passionate about the equipment. So they were actually putting out stuff that, you know, they had to think like, if I'm going to be the customer, I would buy this type deal where now it's just about making money. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. Doesn't matter how it's built, what you know, what's in it, because they're not going to buy that. They don't care. You know what I mean? It's all about how much you can maximize profit now. So it's kind of like lost. You know, like anything else, the same thing. Like yeah. cars and everything. You know, I feel like it's all went extremely downhill. Like, you know. So if we had, if we had a reel-to-reel system, or a record LP record. Same same musicians engineered this in the same studio. Which is going to sound better, the reel to reel or the record? Oh gosh, I mean, I'm just going to say I'd stick with the records because the reel to reels. I mean, you just got to be crazy if you want to go that route. I mean, you got to be hardcore. Into it looks cool. <laughs> it looks amazing. I mean, they sound amazing. Technically, I think that they they perform better than vinyl does. If you could have. Because that's what tapes are mastered, you know, anything recording is mastered to the reel and then cut into vinyl. But, I mean, unless you're getting, like, high-quality tape, all the tape's extremely expensive. And they are making tapes that have albums, like, recorded directly to them, like companies are. But they're charging, like, $400 for that one tape, oh, wow. for one album. Oh, that's amazing. Which is insanity. Mm. So... So my old ones are still oh. still have a little bit of value, Frank. Well, if you hadn't stuck them in a five thousand degree attic for the last twenty years, probably I don't know. My Montavani tapes are, are ruined. <laughs> oh no! I, I I'll never say that. I'll just you know I'll just leave that be. You had to get into this some way. Did you start by tearing apart your your little sister's Easy Bake Oven, and uh, then you worked your way up to the clothes and play? What what? Uh, where did you start off getting attracted to all this stuff? Uh, well, my friend had a bunch of records, and I just checked them out one day, and I said, why the hell do you have all these records? Like, I've never seen anybody with so many records in his bedroom. It's weird. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, me and my dad, we go out, and, you know, we find this stuff at the flea market or whatever. And I was like, all right. He gave me, like, a basic setup. And then he's like, here's some stuff that's laying around. And I was like, oh, this is cool. So I played, like, I think Back in Black, you know, by ACDC. I played that. And it was, like, one of the first records I ever played. And, uh... You know, it was kind of funny because my speakers, you know, the surrounds were all blown. I didn't know that you were supposed <laughs> to even have something there. I just was like, this is cool. I'm playing a record. And the amp's probably just, like, losing it, you know, probably overheating and everything. But I'm like, this is cool. It sounded horrible, though, if I think back on it to what I was doing. But uh, that's kind of how it started. And then, then I was in the Navy, and I was bored, and I started collecting records. And then... Uh, I ended up looking for an old turntable just because I like the look. You know, I kind of like mid-century modern type look, and I was starting to develop that. 
and uh, the turntable kind of went with that. It had like a nice vinyl wood base. It looked like it was from the 60s. I was like, that's cool. So uh, I went out and I met up with this guy who was like in his 50s and, you know, grew up with this stuff and he had all the tube stuff and just really like showed me a ton of stuff that I was like, I've never seen this. I've never seen a vacuum tube before. I didn't know what it was. I'm like, this sounds amazing. You know, he's demoing this turntable I'm about to buy on this really cool, you know, tube setup. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I want that. I, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, bright, shiny things are, are wonderful. It's Absolutely. just weird, though. It's weird that that moment, you know, solidified. That is what started this whole thing, was walking into that room. I had no idea that this was going to happen. I had no plans. I wasn't into any gear like this before. And I just looked at it, and it was like, that is the rest of your life right there. It was weird. That's like That's awesome. so weird. That's I, that was like that when I met my wife the first time. <laughs> You said that's weird but, when you looked at your wife. Yeah, I know. At, at that point in time, I knew that was the rest of my life. Oh, and okay. It's funny because the girl before I met the love of my life was the reason I don't have any records left. Uh, mm. there was, we, I, was, I was playing Jay, Jay Giles' band, Love Stinks, really loud. And uh, a large pipe came down on top of the turntable. Oh, <laughs> and, my uh, gosh. Uh, we were not together after that. <laughs> there was, oh. But there was a reason I was playing at the time, because music communicates for you. I mean, it does. It does. And I was trying to communicate something, and message received. <laughs> but I still have, I don't have a turntable, but I still have vinyl stashed away all over. I have my father's collection of 78s that he collected during World War II. I was in the service. Oh, that's cool. And uh, I've kept those in a cool, dry, UV-free environment. i got to get them. Cleaned up and so forth. Up those Do you have something to play them on, though? No, I told you that uh, that ended with a, a steel baseball bat. Not my doing. I'm not a violent guy. It's like having a humidor full of you know expensive cigars and no lighter. I do have that as well. <laughs> I have a collection of vintage cameras and no film, so you know it's it's all there. Wow. So, uh, Bill, how how? Do people get a hold besides besides this? I mean, are you looking for specific things at this point? Can we put some feelers out for you? Oh, I mean, that's the best route to reach me is just through the website. I mean, if you have stuff that you know you're trying to part with, you can feel free to send me an email. It comes directly to me through the website, and uh, you know you just list off whatever you know you maybe want to part with. You know, whether it be records or equipment. You know, I take anything in pretty much any. Uh, shape, you know, minus consoles. You know, a lot of people try to come for consoles. I don't have any room for those things. <laughs> Six oh, the all in one stuff, big, huge living room yeah. consoles. But uh, you know, separates always. You know, it's got like a silver face or something, or it's got tubes in it. You know, I'm definitely probably interested. Um, and parts too. I mean, if somebody has got a collection of tubes, oh, yeah, if they're the right ones exactly. and so forth. Yeah, that's that's a great point too. I mean, a lot of people have random tubes laying around, or you know, old you know, can capacitors, stuff like that. You know, some of them may still be good. You never know. Um, you don't want anything like the, uh, you know, the uh, late 90s realistic turntables and things of that nature, I'm sure. What's pretty much your cutoff? I mean, my ideal cutoff is like, you know, the late 70s. Once it starts to get into the black box era, that's, uh, you know, when I kind of stay away, but... The black box. The black box. Your your old Emerson or Philco. He's he's not interested in them, Frank. No. 
So what am I going to do with that big collection of 8-tracks? I have no idea. Save them. <laughs> yeah, save them. Save them forever. So, um, you know what? I, I want to thank you for coming in. Um, we're, uh, we've actually done an entire episode. We don't even have time for announcements, Bill. You are... You are an entire episode, the entire show, all by yourself, and and we we only scratch the surface. Literally, again, looking at your web page, I know there's more inventory than that. Oh my gosh! I mean, that needs to be updated. I mean, I was eventually I'd like to sell some stuff off of there, but you know, I just don't have time to sit there and update that and do everything else I got to do: order parts, you know, meet and drop off and pick things up. It's so it's go to the web page, the vintage vintage and if you call the shop, you know, from there, you want to call me or whatever, I mean, it goes to voicemail, and I try to get back to everyone as soon as I can. You know, there's always uh, quite a bit of a backlog. You know, I don't normally, like, reach out. This is the furthest I've ever uh, put myself out there, you know, because we're pretty you, low. You haven't key, had to, and you still don't need to. I mean, no, not busy. at all. I just like talking about this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Carl, are you going to bring in the stork troller? I'm going, well, you know what? I still have that techniques uh, turntable that I'd like to have uh, looked at one more time, and it, and it does need a cartridge on it, so... Yep, there's a possibility. You need more. You are not a professional. I am not a professional, nor do I ever pretend to be a professional equipment. All right. Well, you can borrow the big uh, forklift to bring that thing over because I know uh, it weighs a lot and it, you're in fragile health these days. Well, it's not that heavy for me. <laughs> Fantastic. Bill, again, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, no problem. Redoing this episode because of, <laughs> of a Frankism that took place. Carl? Your parting words, your parting shots. Thank you for coming in, Bill. Be well and be safe, everybody. And we'll see you the next time. See you back for episode 13. Dun, dun, dun.